This is Leadership Part 3, Killer Conviction and the Cure for Imposter Syndrome. So I've been podcasting for about three months now, and I'm hearing a lot in the podcasting community and on LinkedIn about imposter syndrome. So I think at the outset, I'm going to define imposter syndrome for this episode. I'm just going to say imposter syndrome means someone who feels incompetent to do whatever it is they're doing. But the fact is, in my opinion, that imposter syndrome is really just mere anxiety. It's anxiety about being unqualified. And I've read some stuff on the internet about imposter syndrome and expert syndrome. And it it talked about unrealistic expectations and being too hard on yourself and having too high expectations and this and that. What's the 10 things you can do and all that psychology drivel and it's useless. Don't do the 10 thing. It's all wrong and it won't give you the immediate and total relief from imposter syndrome that I'm giving away to you in this podcast episode. Now, my initial binary analysis, my critical thinking analysis when it comes to anxiety is that there are two kinds of anxiety. One is self-inflicted. The other is not self-inflicted. Now, the not self-inflicted sources of anxiety are illness and injury, and the self-inflicted sources of anxiety are temporal impossibility and values failure. And I'm not a psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist. You are entering my mind to see the world through my eyes. And I want you to know that I care about you. And if you or someone else is feeling anxious or feeling imposter syndrome, it won't probably be distinguishable from any other layer of anxiety from any other source. So we need to kind of look at this holistically because if we just talk about self-inflicted imposter syndrome and we ignore the possibility that there may be an underlying medical issue that may require professional treatment from a professional medical clinician, then I would definitely not be leaving you better than I found you if I didn't emphasize the importance of absolutely getting checked out by a medical pro if you feel like you're having some issues. Because this first species of anxiety, one that I've had some personal experience with, This anxiety you may be experiencing could easily be the presentation of a mental illness or psychological trauma or chemical imbalance or a host of other sources. And this kind of anxiety is primarily chemical, right? So so orbiting in each other's gravity and having a few laughs during a podcast is great. But if it's a real medical issue, the best move is to get professional help to address the root cause. And consider getting checked out. That's what I would do. That's what I did check my episode on PTSD. I also did an episode on my sort of intellectual acceleration after being treated. And I talked about that in a wellness part three, psychopathic forgiveness. So if you get treated like me, you might get superpowers like me too. So if it's biological or illness, you need medical treatment. And that is a fact. Don't be ashamed or afraid of it. Just go get checked out. And if it's nothing cool, But if you're like me and you find out you got some kind of issue, no big deal. Just make an appointment and talk to somebody about it. You will feel much better. I promise. Now, this next kind of anxiety, I'm always talking my wife off the ledge about this one. And I called it, I just decided to call it temporal impossibility. And temporal means like the time, right? And together with impossibility, the phrase just means it's impossible right now. See, she's always worrying about everything all at once. So temporal impossibility 
is essentially what that boils down to is anxiety from stressing about every aspect of a problem, especially when it's something that's out of your control or you haven't really got to yet. You know, it might be like a bridge we don't need to cross right now. Or maybe we can't do anything about it right now or we don't have enough information to make an informed decision yet or that decision will be made in the future and we can't make it now. So it's looking at your concerns right now all at once at the same time and essentially worrying about everything, all the things, even the things you can't change or you can't deal with or you can't control at this point in time. And if you've listened to my episode on abortion, I talk about like some things need to come first. There are doors that we know we need to go through first, right? And in that episode, that context of the abortion episode, before anybody even gets to the discussion about the morality of abortion, about is it killing a baby or a fetus or when does life begin or is it a woman's health issue and all that, there's a threshold question that must come before we ever can even start talking about whether abortion is moral or not. The first discussion that we have to get through first is, is does the government have the power to regulate something that it doesn't even, under HIPAA, have the power to know about? Because if the law says the government doesn't even have the right to know you're pregnant, how can it be competent to regulate that pregnancy? If the government doesn't have the power to require a woman to take a vaccine in a pandemic, how can it have the power to force a woman to give birth? Because the vaccine is just like one shot, right? And birth, like there's all kinds of needles and forceps and you know knives and scissors and all kinds of stuff. Now living with my bride Ashley and now her sister Amy who's fleeing the abuse of her soon-to-be ex-husband Anthony that I talked about more in Domestic Abuse Part 1, The Destiny Paradox and the Illusion of Choice. Now Anthony is a pathetic junior psychopath and he's just threatened today to throw out all of Amy's stuff that's still in Arizona. He's such a dick. And she was understandably in tears over it. She's obviously anxious so I said this, Amy. Can you control whether Anthony throws out all your stuff or not? And she said, no. And she said, I asked him not to, though. And I said, hey, that's good. I said, but can you control whether he does or not? And she said, no. Then I said, well, you only have so much energy and time to spend. So how much good will it do to spend your energy trying to control something you know you can't control? And my grandma had this prayer on a piece of stained glass in her bathroom back in the day. So every time I pooped at her house, I read this little prayer, and after reading it about a hundred times or so, it stuck with me. It says, May God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that kind of sums it up, right? So if you're anxious about something that you can't control, a decision that you can't or don't need to make right now, and then stop thinking about it and worrying about it until it becomes something that you can change and then engage. And those two things are potential sources of anxiety that aren't necessarily imposter syndrome, but if you're feeling them, it could present or feel like imposter syndrome. And so we need to cover that to make sure that everything gets squared away. Now let's cure pure imposter syndrome. This is, in my mind, an echo of a lack of self-esteem. And self-esteem pretty much has everything to do with our opinion of ourselves and society. And if it has something to do with our opinion, opinion is controlled by perception. And so logically then our perception can control imposter syndrome. So let's think critically about imposter syndrome vis-a-vis perception of ourselves. So we start with the binary analysis and critical thinking again. And if you want a little more background on critical thinking, you can check out my three-part critical thinking series 
know thyself, inductive reasoning, and deductive reasoning. And I think the binary analysis of critical thought when it comes to imposter syndrome starts with the question, am I imposter or am I not an imposter? But in some ways, for the purposes of this episode, that doesn't really matter because all my listeners and subscribers know from my very first episode called You're Invited is that my contract with all my listeners is that when they surrender their consciousness to my sonic gravity, I will always leave them better than I found them. So if you're feeling imposter syndrome right now, whether you are actually an imposter or not, this is going to fix you. So relax, surrender to my sonic gravity, and my mind is going to change you. By the end of this episode, after you see your self-reflection through the eyes of a madman, you will possess all the power you need to break the chains of imposter syndrome. You're going to realize that imposter syndrome is just an echo of a dark fantasy that exists only in your mind and nowhere else in the universe. It is the fear that you self-inflict when you adopt values predicated on things you cannot control. And when that happens, you rationally fear that you might not be the ideal version of yourself that you want people to think you are. And that fantasy, that perfect version of yourself, never existed at all and can never exist because we can always visualize a more perfect version of ourselves and none of us are perfect. And then when you realize that the only place in the universe that your self-esteem and anxiety can possibly exist is in your mind and nowhere else. So how do you control that imposter syndrome? Or how do you control the perception of yourself and your perception of your competence that makes you vulnerable to imposter syndrome? And it's really easy. You control it by deliberately choosing your values. Now there's a picture of a tiger on the front of this episode. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you might not be able to see it, but if you go on Buzzsprout or Spotify or Amazon, or my website, which is sonic-gravity.com, you'll see the tiger, and it's badass. That is a Sumatran tiger, the rarest species of tiger, and only somewhere between 140 and 600 exist today. It's on the precipice of extinction, and it's thought that its extinction is being caused by the industrial food complex's use of ever-increasing levels of palm oil, which is found in about half of the food that we eat. Demand for that palm oil is what's causing the 20 or so native palm oil suppliers to deforest the Sumatran tiger's natural habitat. And that deforestation produces the palm oil that they ship in huge quantities to corporations like Nestle, Colgate, Palmolive, General Mills, Hershey, Kellogg's, Kraft Heinz, L'Oreal, Mars, and Pepsi. But forget about that for now. Look into the eyes of that killer. A tiger is not confident. A tiger is an apex predator with two million years of conviction. But the truth is, we will never be that close to this tiger. And whenever we take a bite out of a Nestle candy bar or a cookie, we are wiping out that tiger's two million year legacy from the history of the earth. We aren't just killing that tiger and its children. We are eradicating its species from the face of the planet. So who's the killer now? So it's kind of pathetic and tragic, right? That such a magnificent creature will be soon wiped out of existence so that we can get diabetes filling up on cookies and chocolate. And it's sad and kind of gross, right? Now think about this. Think about what we just did. Because that's the power of perspective. We can change our natural experience from kind of guilty about wrecking the environment to a little bit nervous about this tiger that's going to eat us, then to all of a sudden kind of sad that we're destroying it 
and then we're sort of shamed because the two million year legacy of this magnificent predator is going to come to a screeching halt so we can all have more candy. And what I'm trying to illustrate is that the range of emotions and perspective that you can have when you look at this tiger is exactly the same as imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is the same way. Everything we believe, the things we see and feel depend entirely on our perspective. It's values and perspective that moves us. It's not confidence and self-affirmation and what's the nature of confidence. I can do this. I'm smart. I'm talented. I'm great. Now, self-affirmation is weak. You can't overcome fear with confidence. You can only overcome imposter syndrome or any other self-doubt by being convinced, by being convicted. Only when imposter syndrome becomes impossible in your mind will you be immune to that fear. Now the first and second laws of the physics of leadership teaches us our values are the metrics by which we judge ourselves and internally generate our self-esteem. And this gives us our perception of our place in society. If we value wealth and we're broke compared to everyone around us, we feel lower than everyone around us. And if we're rich with the same values, we feel better than everybody else around us. It's just common sense. So if we want to feel in control of our identity, if we don't want to be vulnerable to the feelings of inadequacy implied by imposter syndrome, and we don't want to fear the judgment of others, we need to choose our values based on the things we can control. So if we choose our values and pin our self-esteem to the things we can't control, then we're going to have real problems. But if your values are things that you can control, like preparation, integrity, truth, critical thought, helping others, and being the reason that your coworker had a good day at the office today, then it's very easy to feel good about yourself. And if you're doing what you're doing out of the values that you can control, like if you just wanna help people, then whatever you do, you'll never experience imposter syndrome because if you did your best to help someone, and even if you only help them a little, you still help them. You're still legitly what you are trying to be. And you can only be an imposter if you're lying about what you're trying to be. You can only be an imposter if you're trying to make people think that you're something that you know you're not. But if you choose as your values only the things that you can control, then being true to your values and being truthful about who you are is entirely within your power and control. And you can never be a fraud. And it's only when you know, it's only when you have the conviction that you can never be a fraud. You see, it has nothing to do with confidence or self-affirmation or your expectations. It's only when you have the conviction that you're living your values. When you're living your values, you can never be an imposter. And that is a fact. And it's only when you can never be an imposter that you will ever be immune to imposter syndrome. And that too is a fact. And maybe you're thinking, how credible can a bipolar autistic psychopath be who's trying to talk about feeling imposter syndrome, something he'll never experience? Not a psychologist and he's only just heard the term imposter syndrome only a few weeks ago. And it's kind of funny because I just in my last episode, I did uh, psychopathic forgiveness. You know, if you're an autistic psychopath, you have a very difficult time. The autism in you gives you a very difficult time being sensitive to what other people's opinions and feelings are. And unless they come straight out and tell you, you might never even realize it. And even when they do, you have a legit switch that you can just throw and you won't give a shit anyway. I mean, do you think I feel like an imposter? Of course not. Do I ever? No. Why? 
because you are in my mind viewing the universe through the eyes of a madman. In my mind, it's obvious to me, immediately discernible with no effort whatsoever, through basic critical thinking and common sense. I think it's perfectly obvious where and how to defeat imposter syndrome. And my subscribers and listeners all know that I'm not here to challenge anybody's beliefs. I'm not here to sell an agenda. I'm not here to change anybody's mind. I like you just the way you are. But I admit it's pretty bold, just like tornado wormhole theory. I looked on the internet and I'm not seeing any psychologists or any people who are supposedly experts in fields relevant to imposter syndrome saying anything about values at all. However, they do say there's like 10 things you can do and it's all about your expectations are too high or confidence or affirmation. And I gotta admit, it's pretty bold. I'm saying no, it's values. But I've been thinking about this for a few minutes today and yesterday, and I will stake my reputation as a psychopath on it, that it is all about values. And that is a fact. But even if I'm wrong, I'm not. But even if I was, it wouldn't even matter. It wouldn't affect the authenticity of my podcast because I've made this podcast about viewing the universe through the eyes of a bipolar autistic psychopath. And my only claim is that if you view the universe through the eyes of a madman, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss is staring back into you. And when you look into madness, that madness is going to change you. And all of that is true. And if my listener trusts me, if they surrender their consciousness to my sonic gravity, if they orbit in my gravity for a single episode, I am going to change them. And it is my solemn pledge to leave them better than I found them. And that's why this is the most authentic podcast you'll ever hear in your life. It's not because I'm an expert. The things I could say might be wrong. Probably not. But I am an expert at being me because I am this podcast. You are inside my mind. And inside my mind, I am, or at least one of my personalities, is in complete control. And I invite every listener, everyone in my sonic gravity right now, to judge me according to their experience, to judge the things that I say and see if it makes sense. We just went through a tiger exercise where our values changed our perspective and our perspective changed our feelings. And what that tells us is if we choose values and we measure our self-esteem based on values that we can control and deliver on, then we can't possibly ever be an imposter. And on the other hand, if we value being highly thought of by other people and always having the right answer and everybody loving us, then our self-esteem depends on the opinions of others. And unless we can get constant reaffirmation that everybody thinks we're the greatest and everybody loves us, then it can cause us to doubt and we might start to wonder, and that's when imposter syndrome might be able to creep in. But if you choose healthy values and purpose, that will make imposter syndrome impossible. Instead of choosing being recognized in love as the best in my field and the smartest person ever, just go for something stupid and easy like my podcast. I just have this modest value to leave the listener better than I find them. How easy is that? And it reminds me of this time in my military career when I was a basic training company commander in the army. That was back in the summer of 2000. And once we got this 
thug for a recruit. He was a legit gangster, and I think his name was Martinez. And I think he was an MS-13 gang member before he came in the army as some kind of diversion from jail. And he'd really disrespected one of my female drill sergeants. And my senior drill sergeant, Sergeant Christopher Rafferty, he was a truly excellent man, father, soldier, and leader, who was later killed in Afghanistan when we were both there in the summer of 2006. Sergeant Rafferty brought him in for discipline, but before the private reported to me, Sergeant Rafferty made this face with wide eyes and said, he needs to go now. And so when the soldier came in, he had his head up and he was standing at parade rest and looking at me defiantly down his nose. He was like doing everything wrong, but I didn't bother to correct him. And I said something like this, I'm going to say some things to you that nobody has ever told you. And then I'm going to ask you to make a choice. Everybody has different strengths. Some people can run, some can fight, some can shoot, some can lead, and some can follow. And for everyone in the army, the first thing you get trained on is to follow. Then you learn the rest. But in order to follow, you need to put everything you ever learned to survive and succeed back home. You need to put all that behind you. Because everything that made you a man back home here in this army, those values will make you a bad soldier. If your female squad leader tells you to clean a toilet in the army, then that is your mission. And a soldier is successful only if they accomplish their mission. Clean the toilet cleaner, faster, better smelling, plus the other toilets, plus the sink and the floor and the mirrors, going above and beyond and doing their best in their mission, even if the mission is cleaning a toilet. Then cleaning that toilet like a god is where a soldier's pride comes from. I said, I don't know where you're from, but I guess back home, your power comes from your pride, your loyalty, your revenge against disrespect, and your ability to defend your name and protect your own, right? And he nodded proudly. I said, I understand that. I said, but if you want to be a soldier, you need to be able to get your pride from your mission. Now, I'm not judging you. Only God can judge you. But I need to ask you, no disrespect, can you put down your pride from where you came from? And can you start getting your pride from cleaning a toilet, if that's your mission? And he said, no, sir, which was amazing that he even called me, sir. And so I said, Private Martinez, I can see you're a killer. But what I'm hearing you tell me is you're not interested in transforming into the kind of killer the army needs. He said, no, sir, again. And I said, well, thank you for volunteering to serve in the military in the first place. Only 2% of Americans ever even try to do that. And as he was leaving, I said, Private Martinez, from one killer to another, I'm going to send you home as quickly as possible because I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste the Army's time. But for the short time that you remain, you are still in my house and I have shown you respect. And I expect you to show me and my drill sergeants the same respect. I expect you to act like an Army soldier for the rest of the time that you are in this unit. Is that understood? And he said, yes, sir. And we separated that kid from the Army in record time like two days. And what I learned from that experience was that you can navigate values. Like you, if you can understand what somebody's values, what somebody's interests are, then you can leverage that and you can communicate with them and you can get the leadership effects that you want. Because navigating those values will change perspectives and will affect behavior and the behavior of the people around us. And we can change people and get the best out of them through the physics of leadership. But it shows, depending on what values from which you derive your self-esteem, there are things that govern our perception and often will determine our success or determine how we view ourselves as a winner or loser, a success or failure, or as legit 
or an imposter. And the last example I want to use to illustrate is based on my son's scholastic struggles. So a few years ago when my son, he's autistic like me, he was worried and stressed about his grades. He was getting B's and C's and D's. And I told him that I loved him no matter what. I told him what made me proud of him wasn't the letters on his report card. It was his effort and his preparation. And from then on, whenever he got a bad grade, I would only ask him when and how he prepared. And actually, every time he didn't do so well, he admitted it was because he didn't try or didn't prepare. And that's when he would lose his video game privileges. But if he got a bad grade, but I knew he prepared and I knew he did his best, then there wasn't going to be any punishment. So all he had to do, he had total control of whether or not his dad was going to be proud of him or he'd be able to play his video games because he had total control of whether or not he did his best and did his best to prepare. And what was freaking him out and causing him to do poorly was the anxiety that he couldn't control his grades or how hard the test would be. It was freaking him out. But by making it about his preparation and the effort, I put his focus back on the things that he could always control. And for the past three years, the three years he's been in high school, he's gotten straight A's even during the pandemic. Because when it comes to preparation and grades, excellence in the former causes greatness in the latter. And I promised him, even if he got a bad grade, if he was prepared as possible, his father would be proud of him. His grades took off like a rocket and never came down. Because of our commitment to preparedness is something that we can control. And when he adopted the concept of preparation into his primary set of scholastic values, that's when he started to really perform. So I think it's undeniable and totally obvious that the things we choose as our values directly determine our ability to succeed in any environment. It keeps us focused on the things that matter. And values are absolutely outcome determining, not in some kind of touchy-feely, esoteric, spiritual psychology way. Our values mechanically determine the outcome. And if we're anxious about something, if we truly have imposter syndrome, I'm convinced that it's because we have chosen values that are, to some degree, out of our control. So here's the cure. In your mind, do like me. Make your central value leave people better than I found them. If you run a podcast, leave your listener better than you find them. If you're a parent or a teacher, make your value to do my best in the interests of the kids. So remember, of all the values that we can choose, there are things we control and things we cannot control. Now, often the things that we cannot control are the things that we want to happen. But as values, we always need to remember to choose things that we can control that will help bring out the things that we can't. And it's just like school. You can control your preparation, but you can't control your grades. You want the grades, but you can't control the grades. So you choose the value of preparation because when preparation comes to grades, achievement in the latter flows naturally from excellence in the former. So over the last 27 minutes, those are the experiences and the reasoning that I use to inductively sort of conclude uh, that if we base our confidence and our self-esteem on something over which we have no control, then our day-to-day self-esteem will be chaos, arbitrary, volatile, and random, and that's how we can contract imposter syndrome, and that is a fact. So if you're a podcaster and you feel like an imposter, ask yourself, what are my values? Are they the values that I can control or are they ones that I can't? Have I pinned my personal values and self-esteem on making all who listen think I'm the best or am I just focused on being my best for all who listen? 
The former is a podcast impersonation. The latter is podcast authenticity. If you're trying to get a date with your crush, are you worried about trying to be the person you think she would want to be with? Or are you trying to see whether she's the kind of person you want to be with? Because the former makes the first date the goal. The latter makes the first date the beginning. And if you're thinking about coming out, are you valuing abstract things you can't control, like what people will think of you or the opportunities you might unfairly miss out on? Or are you valuing what it means to be authentic and seen? Because the former could be a suffocating life sentence as an imposter, and the latter could be the breathtaking freedom of a validated life. And when you reflect back on the time that you spent orbiting in my sonic gravity, and you realize that the difference between feeling like an imposter and feeling like a natural lies only in the choice of your personal values from which you derive your self-esteem. And then you can be certain that you have seen the universe through the eyes of a madman. And when you looked into madness and madness looked back into you, you can feel that it has changed you, that you will never view the universe the same. You saw your reflection in the eye of a tiger and will forever know the conviction of the apex predator. Not a confidence, a conviction that you are a natural because you have chosen values over which you have complete control rather than choosing values over which you have none and would leave you powerless. And when you realize that your self-esteem doesn't exist in the atmosphere, it doesn't exist physically at all, it can only exist inside your mind, then you will know for certain that you have been inside my mind. And when you realize that self-esteem doesn't even need to exist at all, unless you create it yourself inside your mind, the one domain in the universe over which you exercise the greatest control, then you will know for certain that I am inside your mind too. Mm -hmm.